Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is April 16th, 2023. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How are you, my man? Uh, been a rough week. I uh, wasn't on the show last week because I was uh, I went to see my sister and her family for Easter. Uh, but um, uh, when I got to work on Monday morning, found $5,000 in tools were stolen. So that was great. That makes for kind of a rough weekend. Um, and I'd be, honestly, we know that the margins in small business aren't exactly huge. So that's going to take a while to recover from. It is, yeah. Um, but I mean, and, and the, you know, basically the police can do nothing. Um, it's it, it really sucks. I mean, I was talking to the the police officer, and they, and I mean, I can't even repeat what it was that she told me. Um, I can, uh, I can, you know, um give you the gist of what she said but i can't repeat it because it's not family friendly um the uh I, I i said to her you know like this is the people that do this the people that break into uh people's homes or people's trailer like work trailers or whatever and steal and steal stuff they're, they're the ones that make our lives a living hell yet they're the ones that the government uh doesn't even care to prosecute and I said it's like our system is just a revolving door for these people and she said it's worse than that it's she said we don't even get to charge them so we don't even get to fingerprint them because you can't you can't fingerprint them until they get charged and in situations like this they'll arrest somebody but the crown will instruct them to release them because it's not worth their time to prosecute except that these people just continue to do this over and over and over again making everybody's life hell costing everybody a lot of money because this isn't like it's not just the 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 cost of the tools that that i gotta fork out for because the insurance policy I had had such a high deductible that you know I mean you can't get them with lower deductibles anyway but I mean the the I guess the tool theft is so uh common that the deductible is quite high it's in the four figures the and the insurance policy is you know almost a thousand dollars a month or sorry a thousand dollars a year so it's not just that expense which is quite high um but it's what i have to do now to protect my tools i can't just put them all back in like when i replace them all i can't just put them all back in that in that trailer now i have to reinforce that trailer that doesn't get covered by insurance that comes out of my pocket now uh the the uh the wireless cell network 
security camera system that I just bought is coming out of my pocket. The uh, there's there's a number of things now, like the the secured tool storage system that I'm buying. <laughs> that's out of my pocket. That's not that's not coming. The insurance isn't paying for that. You know, like these are all things that, you know, I never thought I would have to do. And now I do. And those are the, those things are not being paid for by insurance. Those are coming out of my pocket. And because obviously that trailer was not not built to withstand crowbars. So um, now I now it will be. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, it, it's very disheartening. It's, uh, uh, when, when I talked to the cop, when I, when I said that to the, the, the police officer, she, she just, she's, you know, when she told me that they can't even charge them, says they can't even fingerprint them. Um, she said to me, you know, uh, I'm going to substitute a word here so that it can be played on the show. She said, our system is screwed and screwed is not the word she used. <laughs> um, so it's very, it's very uh, disheartening. And I mean, that brings me to the clip that I think I sent you of the, uh, uh, the police chief telling the Trudeau government that they feel like they're just a babysitting service because they arrest all these people that are committing crimes, but they just get released immediately. The men and women of the police service, they, they feel like they're babysitting sometimes. When we do see people who are charged and who end up uh, being released, um, you know, you, you have that, you have that problem. And I think I spoke uh, at the at the uh, media availability uh, a week or so ago talking about with respect to homicides over the last two years half of the people slightly over half i think 23 of 45 individuals who were charged with homicide were out on release at the time that it happened so when the courts impose conditions uh by which people can be managed in the community it falls to police to begin to manage that in an ongoing way so there's a real opportunity cost where we could be in the community and we could be doing other things and and we're not able to do that because we're in essence babysitting individuals that are out that that's a huge problem you know that uh, we have we the police chiefs have written to uh the feds we know that the provinces and territories have spoken to the feds and we're waiting for something in relation to bill c-75 and bail section 515 of the criminal code there, there needs to be some relief for yeah that was my week <laughs> Well, great. Well, it's been a, a great week here in Canada. So a couple of housekeeping notes we'll take care of right off the bat here. Now, you had heard my rant Canada on Monday after Justice Minister David Lametti had suggested he would look into taking the, the constitutional responsibility of natural resources away from the prairie provinces. And with a smile, he said it would not be uncontroversial. And uh, so, of course, I was a little upset about that, naturally. Since that, though, that, uh, that rant aired, the Prairie Premiers have now signed a Memorandum of Understanding um, committing to economic cooperation and, you know, freeing up trade barriers and whatnot for the prosperity of the three Prairie Provinces. 
Fantastic, because they had already commissioned a study into the port of Churchill to be used as a deep water port for export. We talked about that on the show months ago when that happened. And speaking of controversial, Jordan Peterson decided to weigh in and suggested to Danielle, well, not directly to Danielle Smith, but publicly suggested to Danielle Smith, if the federal government wants to try this, well, maybe it's time for Alberta to consider separation. Well, that's not controversial at all, but I agree with them. Yeah, I don't think it'll ever happen. I mean, it, it might be no. something that they bander about, um, but the the problem is, is that it's a constitutional uh, right that's given to the provinces. So anything that's in the constitution can't be taken away unless the constitution is opened up. And every single time that happens in Canada, it fails. So the constitution, and, and the reason it fails is because every province starts to get greedy. Um, and mostly ones that speak French. So <laughs> uh, Quebec starts making all kinds of crazy demands. And then whatever agreement they came to, uh, like Meech Lake, um, you know, like these, all these constitutional um, accords that they put together, uh, they never get passed because the provinces can't agree on them and won't won't uh, go for it especially well i mean we have a province in this country who's never even signed the constitution the the constitution we have um and that province speaks french um it's it's uh it's kind of a i, I don't know i don't know how this country even works sometimes and it can be argued that it doesn't work <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't take those responsibilities away unless the province is willing to give them up, um, because of the constitution. So, uh, you've got, uh, I mean, you've got a province here that I live in BC, which would probably with the government we have probably just go, yep, here, take it, take the responsibility. We don't want it. We don't want it. We don't want any responsibility. Like we never want any responsibility in this province. We just want to offload it to the federal government. We're all too happy to give it to them. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's my two cents. Well, there we go. <laughs> now, um, one more housekeeping item before we, we carry on to get to the show topics. Um, listener Mackenzie, you're always here for us, and thank you for that. Sent us a message uh, when we were for show 217 when we talked about the Mass Casualty Commission. And among the multiple failings of the, the uh, Nova Scotia RCMP was that they were tweeting what was going on. And there was a lot of criticism because not everybody is on Twitter. And well, including us, we were, I wasn't on Twitter back then either because Twitter was still just a cesspool at that time. And so listener Mackenzie, whose parents actually live not far from Portapic, had said that, well, at the time, yep, the RCMP were, were using Twitter to try to communicate what was going on with this uh, with this active shooter. And, and instead of using the provincial emergency alert system, which goes to everybody's cell phone, but he said, nope, they actually needed to keep that alert system free because they were using the emergency alert system for COVID updates. Well, that was certainly much more important than a, than a rampaging gunman going across the province, killing 20 people. Way to go, RCMP. 
Whose decision was that, though? Was it the government's decision not to use the uh, emergency system because they were using it for COVID? Because it doesn't sound like the RCMP would give a crap if they were using it for COVID. Well, that's actually a, a good question to ask. That probably would be a government thing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, like a provincial government. Yeah, I would think so. Um, because, yeah, I, I can't see the police even giving a crap one way or the other if the, if it was being used for covid because the rcmp didn't issue covid protocols uh so i mean it sounds like it's more of a provincial government thing that where they said no don't use it for that well that's a good question to ask all right mackenzie back to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah get out there that's right. do, do a little research for us mackenzie yeah <laughs> All right, so housekeeping done on the show today. Telford talks. C11 passes. Trudeau teaches economics. Show us your Regina. And more. Where do you want to start? Well, I want to start with uh, something that you didn't actually mention, and I didn't tell you before the show. Um, the CCFR's court case. Uh, was heard this week. Oh, so uh, the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights had their court case heard this week, uh, where the interveners included the Alberta government, uh, and they were suing the federal government to prevent the uh, ordering council from 2020 from standing that it would that it would reverse that decision. So we're waiting for the we're for the uh, judges decision eagerly and uh uh if you were at all watching the uh live stream of the of the case uh there is just absolutely no way on this on god's little green earth that you could possibly have found in favor of the government's arguments <laughs> um the ccfr's lawyers were outstanding um the judges seemed or the judge seemed uh, uh legitimately interested in what the different firearms uh how they worked how they how they were similar how they were different all of that was seemed very like actually interested in 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 making the right decision in this case so hopefully that comes through and i am I've got my fingers crossed. So uh, now let's talk about your Regina. By all means, let's uh, <laughs> talk about what was actually, I thought, a pretty neat marketing campaign. The city of Regina was just, just trying to change up its, uh, its tourism slogans. And it decided to say, show us your Regina, as in show us your pride in the city of Regina. And they happen to include in there the tagline, the city that rhymes with fun. And <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. But for some reason, if Mick Jagger says it in order to promote the Rolling Stones concert in Regina, it's funny and good and, and pretty cool. But if the city of Regina says it as part of a tourism campaign, it is now lewd and sexist. Yeah, misogynistic. Yeah, so <laughs> because we hate women's, you know, vaginas. Apparently, 
Apparently, yes. And um, I, I, I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, talk about a nothing burger. I mean, is this seriously all with all that's going on in the world? This is what the leftist social justice warriors are going to get upset about. Is yeah, the city that rhymes with fun. Yeah, they're getting mad about everything. So I mean. <laughs> I, they they they're just making stuff up at this point to uh, for things to get mad at, and uh, because you know they've pretty much attacked everything else, so they might as well attack things that aren't even controversial. So, well, and this totally isn't controversial. I'm I'm actually stunned it even made it into the news cycle. But uh, well, they I mean it made it into the news cycle because tourism Regina, which you which at the time was called experience regina uh has been you know they've changed the name they're so embarrassed by what happened they changed the name from experience regina back to tourism regina i mean this is this is a a cowardly uh move on their part i mean if you wanted to change the slogans go ahead but you are so upset and so embarrassed by this that you changed the name of the organization i mean that's unbelievable like come on yeah you know this is getting really stupid it is really stupid honestly the city should have stood their ground and just said you know defended it and they could even have used mick jagger to defend it because everybody thought it was great when mick jagger had said the city that rhymes with fun and yeah but suddenly now because it's not mick jagger saying it instead it's it's tourism regina oh my gosh my hair is on fire the sky is falling think of the children somebody think of the children yeah yeah think of the children except if they want a sex change then you've got to let them do it even though they're not old enough for a tattoo but anyway <laughs> yep well said <laughs> i mean it, it's it's so stupid i mean this is like this is the woke brigade you know trying taking down something fun um and and pretty innocent um i mean honestly who's the one with the dirty minds if you're getting upset about show us your regina and it's a photo campaign of you standing in front of your favorite regina landmarks or or parks or something right that's what it is it's a photo campaign and so who's the one with the dirty mind the one who is complaining about it and wanting it stopped or the one who came up with it, because I actually, the first time I heard it, I actually did not think that that's what it was referring to. So the, so I think the ones with the dirty minds are the ones trying to get it canceled and they should be looking in the mirror. I mean, this is, the woke brigade is so, I, I, I've come to the conclusion that the, that the woke brigade is just trying to stop what they don't like about themselves. And so the racist people are, you know, the ones 
who focus on race all the time. Well, that's the woke. The sexist people are the ones who focus on sex all the time. And that's the woke people. I mean, it's, and I mean, we've talked about this before, right? I mean, this is, to me, this is a, a ridiculous thing to get upset about. It's a ridiculous thing to get so upset about that you got to change the name of the organization. And, but I mean, like there's signs all over right now saying, you know, just showing that, that the woke movement is on the wane. And there is a hell of a lot of pushback now. So why are we still caving to these people? Because I mean, look what happened to Budweiser. I mean, Bud Light named Dylan Mulvaney, a trans woman, its, you know, spokesperson. Um, and they lost $6 billion in one week. Yeah, and there's like, actually videos up uh, that their sales reps have put up, like people who are out there pushing Budweiser products to whichever liquor stores in the States and whatnot. And they're all saying, well, this is affecting my job because nobody's buying. It's like, well, maybe yeah. you should talk to corporate about that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I, I salute those sales reps that are actually doing that because they're showing, you know, it's the only way that you can get corporate to listen is by, is by, you know, making a public statement like that because corporate doesn't listen to, like a corporation that size does not listen to their people in the field because the people in the field, because that, that message, like if you, if you sent, if you want to file a report, it takes forever to go through the processes. So you gotta, you gotta do something publicly to, to show the company that their decisions are backfiring and hurting them. Right. Like, but I mean, nothing speaks louder than a loss of $6 billion dollars in one week yep that's right yeah and i have uh, i don't feel one bit sorry for them uh, no. as a side note about dylan mulvaney who was a biological male who has still not gone through all the bits and pieces yet right got a uh, endorsement for sport bras even yeah, though from, from nike yeah yeah even though they them g whatever doesn't actually have the equipment to fill a sport bra right and um also this person carries around a box of tampax tampons with them everywhere they go to something they could never ever use even after the even after having the surgery if they ever get the surgery because they've never had it right so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you and that I'm sorry, but that right there is is an example of why I believe that this is a mental disorder. I mean, this person's carrying around a box of Tampax tampons. I mean, that you can never use it. That person can never use one of those. That's there's something wrong. Ah, oh, but that will be gender affirming, just like that. Uh... Alberta NDP MLA had said about uh, contraception. It would be gender affirming. Yeah. Okay, then. 
right. So let's talk about Katie Telford for a little while. Yes. Now, we had already said on this show a month ago when the Trudeau government agreed to allow her to testify at the committee investigating Chinese election interference, we had already said she's not going to say anything. And she will cite national security for as her reasons for not saying anything. What happened with committee, Lewis? Uh, she didn't say anything. What? And why didn't she say anything? Uh, because of national security. Oh, wow. I, that, that's a bit of a shocker. I kind of thought she'd spill all the beans. Yeah, Damn. me too. Yeah, I, I could, we couldn't have been more wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she, of course, yeah, she said she couldn't say anything because of national security concerns. But she did actually speak out enough to say that, oh, no, no, those 11 candidates in the GTE, GTA, sorry, in the 2019 election that were allegedly, uh, you know, interfered with by the Chinese government. Oh, no, no, those, that, that was all unfounded. There was a, that, that, that's nothing to see here. Well, if, that, if everything else with national security, why were those 11 candidates and the Chinese campaign to, to help them national security? Oh, because she had to uh, get the government talking point out there that, no, no, nothing to see here. Well, yeah. to me, that just says now there's everything to see here. Yeah, and uh, I mean, she's uh, there is there's so much to say about her. Um, but all I'm going to say is that we knew this was going to happen. This is no shocker. We all knew that she wasn't going to say anything and that she would cite national security issues or, or concerns as her reason. Um, we all knew it was going to happen. I mean, frankly, I'm actually shocked. She, they even got her to testify in front of, uh, in front of the uh, committee. Um, mainly because the liberals with, I believe with the support of the NDP were stonewalling the, uh, the committee and uh, preventing them from calling her as a witness. Uh, and as we've already said on this show multiple times, there is no law that says you must show up if called upon. Um, so to, I, I am frankly a little surprised that she even testified. Um, but because she did testify, I'm not surprised at all that she didn't say anything. Yeah, and to be fair to the NDP, they actually did uh, finally come on board with the conservatives, conservatives in the bloc to say that, yeah, she better bloody well testify. And they were actually in support of the conservative motion to get her to testify. They, they flipped. They were originally on the, the on side of the liberals. So, uh, yeah, a little, uh, that little, much late, little late to the party, NDP. Like, Holy you got to decide what side you're on. You got to decide if you're on the side of Canadians or on the side of Justin Trudeau. Cause I mean, I'm getting sick and tired of you guys picking Justin Trudeau all the time. Yeah. Now, um, Katie Telford did make one slip up and I'm actually happy to hear about it. I'm surprised she did it. Cause she's actually a very smart lady, very, you know, cunning, but she did actually say that, uh, did I write the quote down that she said, 
not, nothing is withheld from the prime minister. No information is withheld from the prime minister. So when Justin Trudeau was standing in front of the camera saying, I was not briefed about election interference. I was not briefed about the $200,000 donation. I was not briefed about et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which he said so many times. She just yeah. pointed out, he is lying. He is briefed about everything because nothing is kept from the prime minister quote unquote yeah no that's a good catch um now we already knew that um because you and i have been involved in politics for so long we know that the prime minister is briefed on everything um nothing is kept from the prime minister uh, but yet that has not stopped this prime minister from deflecting blame on every scandal that's ever happened in his in his uh, tenure and has claimed he didn't know about any of them, that it was always some other minister or subordinate that was in charge of it or they kept it from him. Well, you know, like any any. If if a, a CEO of a company ever said, oh, yeah, I had no idea that that was happening under my watch, that that person was doing that without my knowledge and they never told me, a CEO gets fired. But in Canadian politics, nope, we re reward them with another election victory. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, now... On the same vein, let's talk a bit about the Trudeau Foundation, because that's, of course, uh, at the center of all this controversy. Now, you had actually sent me a text. I hadn't heard the news yet that the entire board and CEO of the, the foundation stepped down en masse Tuesday morning. And, well, speaking of controversy, that's that's never happened before. And... It's all over this the that donation we had talked about, the two hundred thousand dollar donation that had come from the Chinese government. And God, this story just gets better and better, Lewis. I don't know if you got uh, these details, but uh, again, thank God for the Globe and Mail. Um, as I've said before, I don't usually have a lot of time for for Robert Fife, but man, oh man, he is on fire with this file. Yeah, he's, it's like he's going for the jugular. It's like he's he's finally gone. Oh, I've had enough of this dummy. It's time to take him down. Yeah, and he, and he's yeah, and he's and he's just decided he's going to sink his teeth in. So, uh, what Mister Fife found out was the donation originally came from a company called Millennium Golden Eagle International, which is the company attached to that Chinese billionaire. But the Chinese Cultural Industry Association, which is a state-owned company by the Chinese Communist Party, told the foundation to issue a tax receipt to them, not to Millennium Golden Eagle International. And the Chinese Cultural Industry Association said they wanted the receipt to go to their office in Ottawa, which turns out was just a house, and there was nobody there to deliver the receipt to at the time so then they said oh well then just deliver it to our hong kong office which doesn't exist so now they've got a donation they want to return but have nobody to whom to return it to and huh, what do we always say in the show but there's more this receipt wasn't actually signed by the president of the board 
of the Trudeau Foundation, which is common practice that it is the president that signs off on these tax receipts. And what I guess probably would have to issue the refund. The Chinese Cultural Industry Association wanted a Trudeau to, to sign their tax receipt, I guess, so they could make the connection with, with the Trudeau government, presumably. So Alexandra Trudeau and an, and an anonymous board member actually signed the receipt, which is already against the rules, because Alexandra was just a board member, not the president. So we now have a tax receipt issued um, inappropriately, I'll say, yeah. to an organization that they can't actually find for a donation that came from a billionaire who apparently doesn't want the money for himself. But nothing to see here, Canada. Move on. Please disperse. Yeah. But and the the whole uh, signing of the receipt, it might not sound like a big deal, but it is <laughs> because uh, only those with signing authorities can sign documents within a uh, a corporation or or um, organization. So I mean, if someone is signing things they shouldn't be signing, that's illegal. Um, and issuing a receipt to a corporation that didn't, or to a, yeah, to a corporation or organization that didn't even make the donation is illegal. And um, yeah, this is, and, and I mean, coming, you know, the money coming from the the, uh, the Chinese government, because as it, as we all know, any business or corporation in China is you know, a government entity. Uh, so the, the donation is coming from the Chinese government. Well, they said they would reimburse this guy for it. So I mean, that's- Yeah, yeah. Clearly so I mean, I mean, it's, this is a, uh, this is, this is bad. This is bad. So, but, but just so our listeners know, we are wrong every single time we talk about Justin Trudeau's future. So- don't listen to us from this point on for the next couple minutes um, because we're going to yeah. be wrong. So we'll be, we'll be wrong. In fact, yeah. we put, let's play this clip right now about uh, the, the Trudeau Foundation and Justin's involvement in it, just so you know exactly how wrong we are. It's been 10 years that I have had no involvement at all uh, with the foundation that carries my father's name. Uh, I think it's important that the foundation itself answers these questions and reflects on how it can continue doing the important work that it does. Okay, you heard it there, Canada. Justin Trudeau has had nothing to do with the foundation for the last 10 years, the foundation that bears his father's name. Oh, whoops, wait, wait a minute. Trudeau I've actually appointed three board members directly? Brian Lilly's got to be lying about that. I, I know he published an article saying so, but that that can't be true. Yeah, well, and he he did say that he has no direct involvement with with it with the uh, foundation. He, but he also said he has no indirect involvement with the uh, association. Oh wait, um, 
I, I, I do believe that the, that his minister of industry appointed the other six board members. What? That can't be. It oh. can be. In fact, it can. Well, thank you, Brian Lilly, for, for bringing that up. I, I, I'm stunned. So here's the part where we're going to be wrong. Um, uh, Justin Trudeau should be losing all support in his party right now. And, uh, and publicly, his, his poll numbers should be plummeting. And he's going to lose the next election. That, that's, that's, that's where we're going to be wrong. Well, especially the last part. We're definitely going to be wrong on that last part. Um, I'm always wrong when it comes to Justin Trudeau. I, I have to just accept that. Uh, I was so bullish on a spring election, which quite clearly is not going to happen because here we are in the middle of April and there's no buzz whatsoever about an election, which I assumed would have been called around now. And we have said so many times, oh, this has got to bring him down. And nothing brings him down. Yes, the Conservative Party is polling higher than the Liberals right now. Not significantly higher. And Pierre Polyev is only, I think, by a percent or two, a preferred choice for Prime Minister over Justin Trudeau. So, yeah, if there were an election today, I'm convinced that Justin Trudeau would win again. Yeah, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Like truly unbelievable. The most corrupt government in the history of our country, which makes him the most corrupt prime minister in the history of our country. Nobody can deny that. Even liberal supporters don't deny that. And yet, if this was any other prime minister, aside from his own father, he would have lost an election by now. He would have lost the support of his party. He would have been ousted as leader. I mean, look at the conservatives. All it took for the last two leaders to lose their jobs with the conservatives was to get more votes than Prime Minister than, than Trudeau. And, and they still lost their leaderships. Like this is it's unbelievable. I don't know what this guy's got to do. Like you and I have said before, he could probably, you know kill someone on live tv and he would still get reelected. like i don't understand what is going on i mean i've said it before i'll say it again canadians have an extremely high tolerance for corruption and uh incompetence by liberal governments and they have no tolerance whatsoever for conservatives they would rather vote for corruption and and incompetence than they would for a conservative totally right yeah it's uh it's pathetic so um well since you mentioned liberal incompetence why don't we talk about bill c11 now bill c11 is the the censorship law we talked about that and uh Internet censorship, allowing the CRTC to decide what is and what is not Canadian content online. Now the oh, and just so everyone, just so our listeners know, we will not be considered Canadian content. By the way, that's correct. Yes, actually, that's good to point that out. So we uh, 
we yet again may fly under the radar. Now, um, C11 is now passed. Oh, I, by the way, I should uh, wrap up the last, your, your last little rant there. Listener Brett, thank you for your comment on one of the articles we posted on our Facebook page actually said it right that this stuff should really surprise us, but what is sad is that it doesn't. So, um, and, and that's absolutely right, Brett. So thank you for that. Now, anyway, C11 has uh, passed through the house. The uh, Even the media said that the Trudeau government rammed it through the house before it broke for its Easter break. And in their zeal, in their rush to ram C11 through the house, they actually did not take one single Senate amendment. They instead just rammed it through in the form where they had last sent it to the Senate. So I hope that senators like Paula Simons, for example, who had, had introduced some of the amendments and uh, a couple of the good ones, I can't remember which one was specifically that she had put forward now. It had to do with, uh, with, with journalism censorship because she used to work for the Calgary Herald. But I'm hoping the Senate looks at this and says, um, you're sending us the exact same bill, dumbass. Yeah, well, I mean, I hope so too. Um, generally, there's, I don't know if there's a rule or not, but I know it's tradition in in Canadian government that if the Senate asks for amendments, the, the government does not have to take them, but the second time through, the, liber the, the Senate is su just supposed to pass it, um, no matter what. Um, I believe that's only tradition, um, not really uh, a rule of any kind. So I hope the uh, Senate decides to buck tradition and uh, and say, no, we're not accepting this. Because the problem is, is that it, it, it's funny how you and I have been proponents of an elected Senate forever. Uh, for as long as I can remember, I've been a proponent of elected senates. I am crossing my fingers right now that our unelected senate does their job and does not pass this bill. Because if the senate was elected, it would pass through without any opposition. Yeah. And uh, well, hope they can do their job because even with C11 not being proclaimed law yet, EGAL Canada, and uh, for those of you who haven't heard of EGAL, they are a, uh, uh, I can't even say all the alphabet soup, LGBT advocacy group. And they've already decided that, well, we don't have the censorship law yet, but we need to ban Fox News in Canada because Tucker Carlson hurts our feelings. Tucker Carlson is one of the few uh, news uh, commentators in North America who actually does a really good job of telling the truth. And even, even left-wingers like, will, 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 will agree with that. Like he's one of the most fair and balanced people 
Like it's so funny that whenever any whenever the left goes after Fox News, they go after Tucker Carlson. He is the least offensive person on that network. <laughs> yeah. Now I I know that we promoted the Tulsi Gabbard podcast on our show before. Yeah. Yep. She did an interview with Tucker Carlson, and from his own mouth, he said that. He was born and raised in Washington, D.C., and when he was doing his show from Washington, D.C., he had a totally different mindset because he was just part of the D.C. swamp. Yeah. So when he moved from D.C. to wherever he is now, he said that it, you know, it didn't take long for him living away from Washington, D.C. for his perception on the country to change like uh, almost a full 180. And so then he became the bit more bombastic uh commentator that he is now but i uh, i love him because he doesn't hold back he actually just tells it like it is so if, so of course egal canada would be mad at him because if he dared just say something so controversial as a man is a man and a woman is a woman as ben shapiro says that uh yeah that would be terrible well yeah it's funny you mentioned that interview because i i watched i heard the same interview um yeah, he said that when he lived in Washington, D.C., because he was born and raised there, uh, he had no idea how corrupt it was. He said that everything that he saw, like his, you know, uh, politicians coming over to his house for dinner and stuff like that, like he said, it, he thought it was normal. He didn't think that there was anything bad with it, like when he was growing up, not as a reporter, but when he was growing up. He says he didn't think there was anything wrong with that. Or he didn't see he didn't see the corruption when he was living there. And he said when he moved away from Washington, D.C., and it's only been a few years that he moved away. Um, he uh, he said that that's when he realized how corrupt Washington, D.C. is and how corrupt the system is and how corrupt the people there are. Like he said, he had no idea. It was that corrupt until he until he moved away. And he said it was after it was only once he, he saw Washington from an outsider's perspective that he realized just how bad it was. And uh, and yeah, like. I I'm again, I, like you said, we've promoted Tulsi Gabbard's uh, podcast on this show before, and I will do it again. Like if you want possibly the the most level-headed down-to-earth balanced viewpoint of american politics tulsi gabbard's podcast is it uh it's she is she has a very sobering view of everything going on down there and it's it's incredibly good her podcast is fantastic and the fact that she is personal friends with Tucker Carlson and hosts his show when he's on holidays should say a lot about Tucker Carlson's objectivity. Well, that's a because, good point. Yeah. because she was a Democrat her entire life. Yeah, that's true. And um, yeah, you're right about her as far as, far as yes, it's a very sober objective view of, of american politics she's actually uh yeah she's fantastic so if you haven't tuned into her show by all means look it up oh yeah so, and like I, and i've said before if i was an american i would be voting for her for president 
the fact that she only got like three percent of the three percent support or something like that when she was running uh in uh 2019 well 2019 when she was running for the in the primaries yeah uh and i mean she's the one who destroyed kamala harris on stage like just destroyed her and she was the reason kamala harris dropped out of the race and then it you know ends up being prime pre, vice president anyway but um that's uh there's many many reasons for that but yeah. uh but yeah but tulsi gabbard is just she is phenomenal and um uh like i said uh, the i'd be voting for her because she's possibly the only american politician that is not corrupt and is uh um is not like there for her own self-interest um she sounds she's more like a, a reluctant politician which is the kind of politician you want to be le uh, leading a country yeah so um well let, let's wrap up with a little bit of a on a lighter note Canada. we uh with, with a politician we have leading our country so there have been liberal cabinet ministers and mps running around the country promoting the budget and um you know jagmeet saying among those liberal politicians out promoting the budget by the way <laughs> um, so justin trudeau was at an hey, event jagmeet, you're, you're a liberal buddy you're a liberal just, totally just why don't you just leave the ndp and go <laughs> yeah. join the liberal party Yep. <laughs> yeah, and Jagmeet Singh was actually here in Saskatoon this past week. I missed him. I didn't realize he was coming until after he had already been here, but dang, I missed it. But Justin Trudeau was at an event in Moncton and decided that he was going to go back to being a teacher. And he, well, he was teaching us a little bit about economics and how to use our credit card. Why don't we just play that clip right now? Yes. You know, you know, if you're using, you used your credit card for the first time, you're using your credit card to invest in a huge flat screen TV home theater system for your basement. Okay. You know, that's going to be something you're going to be paying off for, for a while. But if you use your credit card to go back to school, or if you use your credit card, uh, you, you go into debt to uh, build an expansion on your house uh, that you're then going to be able to uh, sell your house for more. If you're making investments that are going to return, that is how you grow a strong economy because quite frankly confident economies invest in themselves the commitment needs to be uh, a commitment to grow the economy and the budget will balance itself okay i gratuitously threw in the uh the budget will balance itself at the end just just for the comic relief but <laughs> um, but yeah you want to buy that flat screen well that's that's on you but hey if you want to use that credit card for $40,000 in home renovations. That's how you grow the economy. Yeah. Oh my God. This guy's a dunce. He is the biggest oh freaking dunce when it comes to economics for sure. But yeah, in, in general, God. it's, it's so funny because I've been saying ever since Rod Giltaka from the CCFR was on our show and called and said that they weren't incompetent. They're, they're, they're just bad people. Um, overall, he's right. But there's always this moment where Justin Trudeau opens his mouth and you go, no, I just think he's stupid. <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, he he switched to you know paper water bottle thingies, and uh, and is promoting you know putting a home addition on your credit card, and because that's a good way to grow the economy. Yeah, with twenty one percent interest rates, um, <laughs> like, oh my god, this guy. I mean, sometimes I don't know if he's stupid, if he's incompetent, if he's just a bad man, or all of the above. All of the above, and I'm going to find that clip about the drink box water bottle sort of thing. Uh, we uh, uh, we have uh, recently switched to drinking uh, water bottles out of uh, water out of uh, when we have water bottles uh, out of a plastic uh, sorry away from plastic towards uh, paper um, like drink box water bottles sort of things. There's yeah because <laughs> you and I both have uh, water bottles that say uh, this is a you know. A drink box water bottle thing or better than a drink box water bottle thingy or something yeah. like that i can't remember we, exactly what it says but you and i both have them and, yep. <laughs> and that was because that was that came from a saskatchewan company i can't remember the name of it but it was it was fantastic yeah it was a uh, ab company i believe it was called and yeah okay. they're a, lo- a local company here in saskatchewan um I'm going to actually take a picture of my water bottle and post it on our facebook page yeah yeah it was great <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So um, thank you, Justin Trudeau, for teaching us all about credit card usage. And uh, thank you, Canada, for joining us this week. So until next week, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis in BC. We miss you, Stephen Harper. Yes, we definitely do. <laughs> Good night. Good night, Canada.